back in the book of Mark, and this is actually going to be week four. So Peter Hamilton was supposed to preach for us last Sunday, and the weather, we wanted to make sure that we were just getting out in front of things, and we didn't want to make a Sunday morning call. And so we kind of switched it. Thank you to Pastor Aaron for stepping in last week at the last minute. He pre-recorded all that, and we were able to do that all Saturday afternoon and evening. So we praise the Lord for that. Peter will be back next Sunday, and he will be speaking for us. And so he's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him stay in the, in the passage that he was already in. So I'm skipping a little bit uh, here in Mark chapter 1. But he's going to be back next week, and he'll be preaching. It's Valentine's Day, Abby. And so he'll be preaching on Valentine's Day. He asked me if, he, if I wanted him to change his sermon. I said no. Uh, but anyway, next Sunday is Valentine's Day. So guys, FYI, like, don't, don't screw this up, okay? Uh, worst case scenario is, you know, take her somewhere nice for lunch after church next Sunday. We'll remind you during the service that it is Valentine's Day. So we're just trying to help you out. That's why we're here. Um, but, but anyway, that is next Sunday. We're looking forward to that as we stay in our series called Dirt Roads. And so we're traveling with Jesus through the book of Mark. And so I've enjoyed the study part portion of this. At the end of the, the service today, we are going to take up, um, begin to take up our commitment cards for our Generations Project. And you say, Josh, if, if you ask the church growth and the church fundraiser people, the Sunday that you begin taking up commitment cards, what should you preach on? They're going to say like, victory in Jesus. We can triumph over anything. Everything is great and wonderful. By the time I'm done preaching today, everyone's standing on their feet, clapping and ready to do anything. Unfortunately, today we're talking about sin. So like when, when you when you just preach sequentially through scripture, sometimes it's the way it lands and that's the way it lands today. And so uh, who knows if the, if the shoe fits, right? Uh, wear it. So that's what we're going to be today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1 and we're going to be in verse 40. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse 40. Today's sermon is simply entitled, A Compassionate Touch. A Compassionate Touch. Look at verse 40. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Mark chapter 1. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded. As a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. And as we travel these roads there in the Middle East with Jesus through the book of Mark, you know that we're going to see him perform many miracles. We're going to see him heal many sick people. We're going to see him feed many hungry people. That's, that's the life of Christ, right? We, we understand that. But these miracles aren't always just merely stories of Jesus healing or stories of Jesus providing. Oftentimes, these miracles and these stories, they represent something much larger. The truth is, if I were just to preach the stories of the book of Mark in a series, honestly, 
Guess what? The next chapter, he does some more healing. And a couple chapters later, he does some more healing. You know what I mean? So we're just going to be talking about, like, how Jesus healed this person. Oh, this person had an issue with blood. This person, you know, was blind. This person had a fever. You know, whatever it was. And so there's, there's oftentimes something we can gather that may be symbolistic or it might be a little deeper. And today is one of those days. A certain uh, miracles are a symbol of Jesus' power over a certain element of the darkness. This healing today is over the disease of leprosy. Leprosy. Leprosy was specifically symbolic of sin. How many of you have heard of leprosy? You've been in church once or twice. Raise your hand this morning. There we go. If you've heard of leprosy, I don't know about you when I was growing up, I heard of leprosy, and it was a skin disease. It was kind of a rotting of your skin, and your, your uh, not to be kind of gross, but like, like the outer portions of your skin will begin to fall off. Like, there goes a finger, you know? Uh, there goes a toe. Um, there goes an ear. You know, who knows? But... That your body would rot and it would, uh, it, 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 would, it would kind of eat itself if you want to look at it that way. And so uh, this, this sin of leprosy was one that uh, it was described as a, as a outward visible sign of inward corruption. Okay, it was an outward sign of corruption on the inside and sin could also be described as an outward visible sign of innermost corruption. For sin, the corruption was a spiritual corruption. For leprosy, it was a, a physical corruption. So if the cleansing of the leper is a picture of cleansing from sin, okay, a spiritual cleansing, then what does God want us to learn from this text? So we're paralleling leprosy with sin. Okay, and so we're going to talk through that today, and I hope the Lord will speak to you through his word. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Holy Spirit, this morning, I pray that you would be front and center in my heart and my mind. And God, I pray this morning that everything would be said that you would have me said today and that nothing would be left out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to first see this morning as we jump right in. I want us to see the depths of sin. The depths of sin. Now a leper came to him in verse 40, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. It's obvious that the news of the healing hand of Jesus had reached the leper colony. It's obvious that this leper, secluded, had heard of Jesus. It has been documented throughout the years that leprosy was kind of the taboo disease of the day. Over the last 11 and a half months, we've been dealing in our country and our world with COVID-19. Think COVID-19 times 100, okay? Uh, we quarantine um, for a virus. They would quarantine for the rest of their lives because literally their skin was eaten and their body was rotting. Anyone with leprosy was outcast, uh, you know, socially distanced for the rest of their lives, uh, banished to live in colonies with other lepers. Uh, we social distance of six feet. Their social distancing, depending on the severity of your 
leprosy was over 100 feet. Think about that one. You know, you see people with like the hats on that are like six feet. Some people can't get near them. Imagine you're a leper, like a hundred foot hat, walking all the way. Stay away from me. And certainly on the surface, we can see the comparisons that leprosy has to sin. Think about it. It violates our purity. Leprosy violated the purity of your body. What once was pure hands and uh, pure feet and pure knees and pure elbows. We're now mangled and we're now bloodied and we're now torn and we're now void of purity. Certainly we can see the comparison to sin because it pushes us into isolation. How many of you understand that sin, when it gets in and takes root in your life, often wants you by yourself? Just like leprosy pushed you into isolation, sin will oftentimes push you into isolation. In fact, I firmly believe that Satan has his best way with people when he has them alone. When we have a feeling that no one else is around and no one else will know. But the comparison of sin violates our purity. It pushes us to isolation. But it also impacts our circle. It impacts our families. Think of a man who was providing for his family back in this day. Maybe he was a, a fisherman and he would go out and he would catch fish. He would trade those fish and he would get supplies and other foods and other building materials for his family. And he worked hard all throughout the week to provide for his family. And that man has leprosy. And immediately that man is isolated. He's removed from his family. And now his wife and his children have been impacted severely because of this, the, the, this disease called leprosy. We can see how sin works in the same way. It violates our purity. It, it, it pushes us to isolation. We want to be alone. But then also we have to understand that sin will impact our circle. And it impacts those around us. For every, for every adult in this room, every time that we allow sin to take root in our lives, we have to understand that that sin is not affecting just you. It's affecting every person that is around you. And I'm not here this morning just to browbeat you about sin. Believe me, we're going somewhere in the sermon today. But we have to understand some, just some major facts about sin. And it does impact more than just you. The, the, to make the statement that, hey, this is only affecting me and I'm not hurting anyone else. You don't, that's not your decision to make. You don't get to decide if your sin hurts other people. That, that's not your decision to make. But today, those are obvious parallels. Today, I want to take a little bit of a closer look. Ken Hughes brings this out as his study of the book of Mark titled Jesus, Servant and King. And as I studied this, it really hit me and gripped me. And I want us to pay very close attention about the depths of our sin and the comparison to leprosy. Okay, that's where we're at. Leprosy, or today it's called Hansen's disease is not necessarily a rotting infection as was commonly thought for years. In recent years, research has shown that leprosy often comes because the body's warning system of pain is destroyed. Listen, leprosy comes because the body's warning system of pain is destroyed. The body would send triggers to itself 
for self-care, for a variety of things, and leprosy divorces the body from this benefit. So your mind, I'm not a neurologist this morning, but your mind sends triggers to the rest of your body to take care of itself. You sprain your ankle. Your mind says we need more blood in that area to help recover. You have an open wound. Your body says we need to scab and clot that on the outer there so we can stop the bleeding. Your body sends those triggers. Well, leprosy blocks your body's triggers. In fact, your body sends triggers to keep your hand extended. Your body sends triggers for your feet not to curl up. Your body, you're not doing it on your own. It's just a natural thing. Your brain sends those neurological triggers. I want to walk from here to there. My brain is telling my foot to pick up and set down and to pick up and set down. That's just what happens. When the leprosy hits, those triggers in your mind and in your body and your brain, they are divorced from one another. This disease actually brings intense uh, numbness to the extremities as well as to the eyes, ears, and nose. A numbness. A lack of feeling. And the devastation, listen to this, the devastation of leprosy or Hansen's disease actually comes from natural elements, both externally and internally, taking their toll on a body that is completely numb to what's going on. Okay, stay with me. Leprosy really is the fact that your body is numb to what, it's, what your brain is sending it and to what externally is happening to it. So someone with leprosy could walk by a, a, a stove and rest their elbow on a stove and not feel the pain of the burn. And look down after 10 seconds and see their burnt elbow and arm. Does that, does that make sense? Like it's, it's gross and disgusting. Think about it in the Middle East, back in that day especially, they would not be able to feel things eating at their skin out in that desert. They would not be able to feel things. They would not send triggers to their body to, to extend their arms or extend their hands so their bodies begin to wither. This takes the sin symbolism to a new level. You see, our sin issue is not merely the outward expression of an inward destruction. Sin is also a developed numbness. And the removal of the triggers that let you know that there's a problem in your life. Do you see the comparison? Leprosy numbs the body physically to where the body doesn't even comprehend that the negative things are happening to it. Sin over time numbs us spiritually so that we don't even recognize what is taking place in our lives over time. It's much deeper than merely an outward expression of an inward struggle. Even though that is true, it's much deeper. Maybe you've asked yourself this question in judgment of someone else. How can someone get so deep into their sin and it seemed like they don't even know or care. How many of you would admit with me, in judgment sometimes, that you look at someone else and said, they don't even, how, they're so wrapped up in sin and they don't even, it's like they don't even comprehend it. Has anybody else, or is that just me? Anybody else done that? Raise your, it's okay to raise your hand in church. There you go. 
Some of y'all Baptists have stayed in Regina Church anyway. <laughs> but I've been there. Hey, how can someone be so wrapped up in their sin and not even realize it? It's taken them down this path. And it's as if they're blind to it. It's as if they're numb to it. It's as if the trigger from their mind and their heart about their sin has been divorced from their body. And I, I will say that I've unfortunately seen it in other people's lives. I've seen it in my life. I've seen the effects of sin. I've seen the numbness set in. I've seen the triggers that our hearts spiritually should send to our minds and to our bodies about our sin. I've seen those seemingly disconnect. And I'm talking about even in the life of a believer. And this morning, I don't know what level your numbness to sin is currently on. But this morning, I would implore you, just as this leper did, to take this seriously. I would implore you this morning to be as committed to the removal of, of sin as this leper was committed to the removal of leprosy. He took a major chance by leaving his leper colony. He took a second major chance of engaging in conversation with someone who was non-leprous. And that person also being Jesus. When we develop an appetite for sin, we develop a toleration for devastation. Let me say that again. When we develop an appetite for sin, we develop a toleration for devastation. If we're not careful, we'll be on pace for a crippling experience that, yes, violates our purity, yes, pushes us to isolation, and yes, impacts our circle and those around us. And this morning, I implore you, I urge you to understand the depths of your sin. James chapter 1 and verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown or mature in your life, brings forth death. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. You say, Josh, I'm a believer in Jesus. Yes, you are a believer in Jesus. If you're here today and claim that you're a follower of Christ, yes, you are. Have you been saved from the penalty of your sin? Yes, you have. Have you yet been saved from the presence of sin? No, we haven't. The process of justification, we are saved from the penalty of sin. From the day Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit baptizes us and we move into our life as a follower of Christ, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Praise God. 
And one day when we are glorified and we leave this earthly body and we're with our Lord and Savior and we're glorified in that day, listen, we will be free from the presence of sin. And I can't wait for that day when I don't have to worry and I don't have to deal with the temptation of sin. But on that road from justification to glorification, there is this road we're walking. It's called sanctification. We are being saved from the power of sin in our lives. So, follower of Christ, how is it that I put my faith and trust in Jesus, yet I'm still struggling with sin? It's because we are living in this process called sanctification. And we are being saved currently from the power of sin in our lives. That's just, that's just Bible. That's just what the overall story of Scripture is this morning. And here's a warning to those of us who are followers of Jesus, who still struggle with our sin. That's every one of us. Here's a warning. One great power of sin is that it blinds men so that they do not recognize it. Possibly the greatest power of sin is that it blinds men so that they do not recognize it. Deceit. The originator of sin, the devil himself, the father of all lies. This lover was desperate, considered a walking dead man in his country. He came to him, to Jesus. He implored Jesus. He knelt down to him. He was not socially distanced at the time. He took a major risk because he had no other option. He had no other plea. He had no other plan. This lever was desperate, grasping, not following the cultural norms for Jesus. And this morning, may I say, if you're a follower of Jesus or not, we still have a common enemy, and that is sin. And may I implore you today to have no other plan or no other plea to overcome sin. I, I implore you today to be desperate, grasping for Jesus, because we are spiritual lepers. And all of us, to some degree, have some sort of numbness inside of us to sin. And all of us, to some degree, struggle with the power of sin in our lives. But there's good news. I wouldn't bow our heads and pray at this moment. There's good news. So sin's legit. Sin is real. Okay? Sin is real. And make no mistake about it. But secondly, this one, let's see the compassion of the Savior. The compassion of the Savior, Mark chapter 1, verse 41, the very next verse. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately, that's, that, that's like the key word of, of Mark chapter 1, immediately. Immediately, immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. 
The restrictions that were put on lepers in that day made this man's request pretty unbelievable. Not only could they not be around people, they couldn't speak to those who were not lepers. A hundred plus feet must stay between them and any clean person. But this leper, this leper had confidence in Christ. We see his bold approach to Jesus. And we see Jesus respond. Our text today says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Some versions maybe that you're holding may say he was moved with pity. This means that Jesus felt the pain of the leper. He felt the pain of that sin. He may have had, Jesus in his humanity, may have had that, that knot form in his stomach when he saw that leper approaching him. He may have had that saliva build up in the back of his throat in his humanity as that leper approached him. Maybe his eyes welled up with tears as that sinful leper approached him. I don't know the emotion that Jesus felt during that time. All I know is this. He was moved emotionally with compassion. He was moved. He was moved at the side of the leper. He was moved at the faith of the leper. He was moved with compassion. Jesus felt. He felt it. Now I'll say this, the initial element of compassion is feeling. The initial element of compassion is feeling. Jesus moved with compassion, feeling, sympathizing. Jesus can empathize more than we can. Moved like my wife has moved during a Sarah McLaughlin commercial with little puppies. <laughs> there may or may not have been some shit. I will, I'll, let her, I'll let her tell you about it. Moves like my awesome 12-year-old daughter who puts her heart and soul into everything, including trips to grandparents' house. And when those trips are over, moved with feelings. Jesus was moved. And the initial element of compassion is that feeling. And then can I just say this, this, this morning, this is just a practical application here. If we've lost even the feeling, there's a problem. If we can see the world around us and the culture around us and the people around us and the destruction going on in people's lives around us and the addiction that's in people's lives around us, if we can see all those things and not even have the feeling, not even the initial element of feeling of compassion, we have a serious problem. If, if, we can, if we can see updates of, of orphans in India who have, who have been shipped back to their villages and, and, and because of COVID and brought back and forth from orphanage to slum and back and forth from orphanage to slum throughout these last 11 months, we can't be moved with our feelings. And maybe, maybe we should just stop right here this morning and say, God, soften my hard heart. Because the first element of compassion 
is to feel. To feel. Hey, men, that means you and I. There's nothing manly about being void of feelings. By the way, Valentine's Day is next Sunday. <laughs> but the initial element of compassion, feeling, however, okay, everybody was like, yeah, you're right, then better feel, yeah, come on. Here we go. But the second part, the immediate response of compassion is action. The immediate response of compassion is not just, I feel bad for those people. Oh, isn't that sad? My eyes welled up with tears. Oh, man, that is so unfortunate. No, the immediate response of true compassion is action. It's like love is that feeling, and it's like charity is doing something about that feeling. Okay, well, compassion is that feeling, but it moves to action. Jesus didn't merely feel the pain of the leper. It did not say, and Jesus moved with compassion, moved on down the road to the next situation. No, what does it say that Jesus did? He was moved with compassion, and so then he stretched out his hand, and he touched them. He did something about it. And remember this morning, Jesus as 100% God and 100% man was stretching out his hand to touch an unclean leper to heal him. Jesus did something about his feelings. He was moved with compassion and his compassion moved him to action. Compassion this morning is an action. Compassion is an action. You say, man, I feel really bad for fill in the blank. So my question to you, what have you done about it? Jesus, I feel really bad about the leper. Well, what have you done about it? I stretched forth my hand and I touched him. And I healed him of his leprosy. I stretched forth my hand and I touched him. Compassion is an action. Remember, we're not talking just about leprosy this morning. We're comparing to the sin. How does this work with sin? Jesus took action against our sin. Jesus took a, 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 an offensive step on offense against sin. No matter the depths of our sin, no matter the hurts, no matter the addiction, no matter the severity of our sin. Remember, as we all know, our sin is not that severe. It's everyone else's that's severe. But the severity of our sin, he immediately took action when he willingly gave up his life on a cross. And look at what he did when he gave us one of my favorite verses. You hear me say it all the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yes, Jesus did something about it, and it was the great exchange. It was the sin for the sinless. It was the unrighteous for the righteous. And here's what happened in the gospel. This is what the gospel is all about. It is the sinless Son of God taking on the sin of human beings, like you and myself. And not only just taking on our sin, finish the verse, 
giving you his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's the great change. It, me and my sin come to Jesus in his perfection, and Jesus takes on my sin, and he gives me his righteousness. That is what happened right here when Jesus healed this leper. Jesus went and touched him, and immediately that leprosy was gone, and that man was transformed. Immediately. And obviously this is symbolistic. I'm not teaching you this morning that when you go to Jesus with your sin and you repent and you give it over to him, that he removes that forever. We just talked about it. From justification to glorification, we are still along this journey. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you this morning that if you just give it to Jesus enough, you'll never sin again. I'm not saying that. I am saying if you give it to Jesus enough, he will begin to remove the power of sin from your life. And when you focus on Jesus enough, he will begin to remove those addictions from your life. And when you focus on Jesus enough, he will begin to change your behaviors and, and change the external. When you focus on Jesus enough, when you focus internally, he will begin to change the external. But here's the problem. We want to change the external. We want to just stop doing what we're doing. We don't want so-and-so to be mad at us anymore. We want, we want this relationship work to be mended. We want the family member to start liking us again. And so we just, we just fix the external. And inwardly, leprosy. Inwardly, sin. It just begins to, to well up inside of us. This sinner, leper, dropped to his knees in humility and reached out to the Savior. That's what he did. He said, I did that back when I got saved. Hey, Christian, you need to be doing that every single day of your life. Well, I believe in the gospel back when I was in junior church. Well, how about you revisit the gospel this, this afternoon? How about you revisit the gospel tomorrow morning on your way to work? How about you revisit the gospel this coming Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. for no apparent reason? You see, if we're not careful, we just become professional Christians full of baloney. That's all we are. Jesus was moved with compassion, and compassion moves them to action. This morning, your sin and my sin has one remedy. It's Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. Is filling the blood with your sin more important than Jesus? Is whatever you want to do more important than Jesus? And now I can layer that even more for, for different life stages. For me, I can also put in there Jesus. I can also put in there my family. I can also put in there what God has called me to do with my life. Jesus is whatever I'm involved in my sin more important than Jesus. He came, he took on the leper, he took on the sin, and he transformed and healed it. He put his hands on it. That's the equivalent of him becoming sin. He put his hands on the leper. And thirdly, to close this morning, and this is important because this is something that you see throughout Scripture. And I want us to just touch on this a little bit teaching, but you'll be fine. Thirdly, the cautious request of Jesus. The cautious request. Look at Mark chapter 1, look at verse 43, the very next verse. So, remember, 
Jesus, the leper came to him, he was moved with compassion, he touched him, he heals his body. And then he says, and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see, what, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Seemingly, randomly, Jesus will heal someone, and sometimes he will say, Maniac of Gadara, go back to the capitalists and tell everyone. And then sometimes he'll say, Hey, leper, keep it quiet. If you study every one of them, this is not a 100% study, okay? But most likely, and what we, what I, I truly believe, is that Jesus did not want the crowd to seek him strictly for physical healing. Jesus did not want to draw a crowd by touching a leper and touching a leper and touching a leper. That was not his ultimate goal. While Jesus repeatedly shows his willingness to heal the physically sick, think about this. He makes few to no attempts to actually seek them out and heal them. Don't think less of Jesus because I said that. But if you look at his life, he doesn't necessarily go knock on somebody's door going, hey, I heard you got a boy here sick, let me heal him. Okay, no, no, when people came to Jesus, he would be willing to heal the physically sick. But rather, he often would withdraw himself when the crowds that were seeking physical healing or food would come to him and the crowds seemingly were, were overflowing. He would withdraw himself. He refused to allow physical healing to overshadow his primary purpose of preaching the gospel. We've already spoken about that in this first chapter of Mark. That he came to preach the gospel. His instruction to this healed leper was to privately inform the priest as proof of his healing. Go to a trustworthy person. Explain to him what happened to you. But not have a wide publication of it. And I guess what I can say in a nutshell is this. Jesus healed the sick. But his life's work was to save sinners. He would heal the sick. He would feed the hungry. But his life's purpose and his life's work was to save the sinner. By the way, Christian, I hope you're not just a follower of Jesus to see the blind get their sight. You're not just a follower of Jesus to see the lame walk again. You're not just a follower of Jesus just to see him feed some hungry people. You're not just a spectator. You don't just follow Jesus to see the hoopla. I hope that you've experienced his purpose. His purpose was to save sinners. His purpose was to save sinners. His purpose was to save leprous ones. 
His purpose were to save the spiritually leprous ones. You and me. And sure, he healed people along the way. And sure, he fed people along the way. And sure, he performed many, many miracles along the way. But his purpose was to save sinners. May I ask you today, is there a follower of Jesus in the room, maybe, who's developed that numbness to sin over time? Is there a follower in the room today of Jesus whose spiritual leprosy has you further down this road of sin than you ever thought you'd be? But I'm a follower of Jesus. I understand. I'm not questioning that. I'm asking you a question. My question to you is that sin numbed you over time. Simple question. Here's what happens, just like leprosy. The trigger from the Holy Spirit that warns us of the impending destruction of our sin. There's a divorce there internally. We stop listening to it. And by the way, the Holy Spirit's a still small voice. The Bible never says the Holy Spirit's a screaming toddler. He's a still small voice. He's going to talk to you about it. And when Zach's got everything going on in his life like this, and everything's screaming at him, and sin's screaming at him, Holy Spirit's like, Zach, hey, Zach. You know, over time, you know what you do? You develop kind of a numbness to that. Hey, hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. But there's all this going on over here. Hey, Josh. I'm warning you. But I'm warning you. And over time, if we're not careful, we'll take a hard look back five years ago in life. Listen, let's, let's repent of 
that sin. Jesus paid for it already. He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. Where sin was great, grace was greater and has been greater and always will be greater. It's there for you. But you know what? Every now and then we need to bow a knee and reach out and say, as a leper, bow the knee and reach out to the Savior. He'll have compassion. It'll move into action. And over time, you'll see victory over the power of sin. Until that day, we're glorified and we have victory over the presence of it. You say, Josh, I'm so pumped right now to talk about the Generations Project and what we're going to do as a church to pay for it. Man, I can't wait. Thank you for that sermon. <laughs> now, let's be real. What's the point in beautifying if there's deep-rooted sin in this church? What's the point of putting makeup on a pig? I won't break up right there. <laughs> In all honesty, what's the point of let's raise money, let's do this, let's reach this community? If they're gonna, if that community out there is gonna come into a community in here, that's just a sin sick and just committed to sin just like everyone else. What's the point? May God call us into purity, may God call us into holiness, may God call us from our sin. And may God call us to something greater. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.